Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Friday, June 8th. Happy Friday. I'm Sophie Kazis. Today, we're speaking to a DIY porn performer about a complicated label used widely in the industry, BBW, or Big Beautiful Woman. BBW is a porn label that categorizes larger-sized bodies. But the more closely you examine this term, the less clear-cut it gets. It's a highly searched term on sites like Pornhub, but it's really not obvious who counts as a BBW or what people are searching for when they type in this term. Because of this, independent porn performer Jesse Sage has spent a lot of time thinking about the label. And in a recent Vice article she wrote, she addresses its nuanced boundaries and the discrimination that many BBWs face. She's got a super interesting story and some really important thoughts on the porn industry. So here's Ankita Rao speaking with Jesse on the topic. Jesse, you describe yourself as a DIY porn producer and performer. Tell me a little bit about how you came to do this work and what that looks like. Yeah, I came to do this work uh, a couple of years ago, actually, out of curiosity. So I'm trained as a feminist philosopher and was working as an academic. So I have kind of a strange path, I think, to doing DIY porn. But I was working, doing a lot of work on female embodiment, theoretical work. And I started to want to to do work that was more embodied and to get a sense of what was going on in the sex work industry, because there's so many feminist philosophers who are talking about sex workers and talking about pornography and doing so from a position outside of it. And so I was curious what was going on inside of it. So I started to do a little bit of camming, but camming isn't really as interesting to me. So I found out that that didn't work very well for me. But then I got into phone sex, which I really like a lot and that I do primarily, but I also started making clips and that's the DIY porn sort of um, angle to it. So I do it mostly with my husband, but we create videos that we sell on platforms like Minivids and I Want Clips and Amateur Porn. And I started it as a political project, actually, because I was curious about representations of bodies and about what sort of impact you could make as a performer. And now I do it more as a job. <laughs> it started as a project out of curiosity into something that became much bigger than that. And you have this really unique sort of nexus of interests and expertise that have given you this lens on what it's like to grapple with the way that bodies are perceived and labeled in this industry. Uh, yeah, and that's my that's why I became interested in it. I mean, I'm not a typical performer. I'm I'm 40. I started in my very late 30s, so I'm older than the typical person that gets into it. I talked a lot about size in the article that I wrote. 
you know, I'm I'm larger and I'm older than what most people think of in terms of porn performers. I have gray hair that I don't dye. And I do all of that really intentionally. It's kind of interesting because in one way, porn is this industry that can be very disparaging to women's bodies. And in other ways, as you describe, it can actually be very inclusive and it can actually be almost more celebratory of women's bodies. How have you found navigating that space as someone who, you know, you're saying isn't really the typical body type that somebody might envision? That's been so super interesting because I think that there's way more space for a diversity of bodies than what people imagine and that even than what I imagined when I first got into it. So one of the things that I thought has been really interesting is that a lot of what customers want to see are people that they can relate to and people that reflect those that maybe they've loved or had relationships with in their in their lives. And so I think that we have this idea that male desire looks like it is very like uniform or that it takes a certain shape and that I think that a lot of women get trapped into thinking that they're supposed to perform that. And I think that it's actually much more expansive than that. And so that's been really interesting. And I've been doing a lot of writing. And in my podcast, I've been interviewing a lot of women who work in the industry. And one of the themes that keeps coming up in all of these interviews is that things that a lot of the women who go into this industry were maybe self-conscious about in their bodies or things that they didn't think were marketable or that they just didn't like about themselves. Turns out that those sort of things get praised by by clients and by customers. A lot of women have talked about the fact that they were self-conscious about their stretch marks and or cellulite or things that we think we're supposed to hide. But those things are actually the sort of imperfections, I say in uh, scare quotes, that a lot of people find to be real or relatable that are really desirable, I should say. That was my experience as well. The things that I didn't necessarily like about my body were things that customers totally related to. And it positively changed my perception of my own body in ways that I didn't expect. What were some of those things that changed for you? I did some camming when I was pregnant, and I expected that to either not work or for people to kind of fetishize that, but that's not what happened. Instead, people were really nostalgic about experiences that they had when they had their own children um, and wanted to talk a lot about that. And people related in a very human way that was much less sexualized. In your piece, you also describe this kind of darker side to these labels or, or the way that women's bodies are talked about, especially in this age of sort of like search engines and algorithms and the way people even come across videos right now. But specifically in terms of BBW or this big, beautiful women label, what does it mean in this industry? Yeah, so you're you're right. The label does stand for big, beautiful women. It's used to describe people who 
you know, who are larger than average. I There isn't actually a set definition. And that's the reason that's one of the things that I set out to try to understand in this piece is how people take this up and who counts as a BBW. And at the end of this, at the end of interviewing a lot of people who self-identify as BBW or whose stuff gets tagged as BBW, I, I think that that's still not entirely clear. And part of that, I think, has to do with the ambiguity of the term. I mean, how big does one need to be in order to be considered big? A lot of people said that's just plus size models, but I also am not quite sure what constitutes, you know, plus size. It seems more complicated the more you get into it because <laughs> there are certain advantages. I tried to point that out in the article to that because the pool is smaller and also a lot of people are really interested in BBWs. It's a really highly sought term. And it's always at the top of the search engines for things like Pornhubs and Minivids where you can search out what it is that you're looking for. And that's complicated too, because you have to ask what what those search results mean. But what we can say is that there's enough people who are interested in larger women that it's a highly searched term. And so, but to figure out what that means, I think is a uh, is actually harder than you would think. Is a term like BBW helpful and empowering or do you find it more detrimental? I think that for a lot of people, it's really empowering. And that's one of the things that came out in talking to people is that in a culture in which uh, people are often fat shamed, the fact that there is a space for women of you know, larger sizes to be able to have a have a space and create a platform and have fans and have people who really like their bodies be able to express how much they like their bodies. A lot of people that I talked to felt really empowered by that. And I, I'm actually like not sure if I fit into that or not. But what I do know about myself is that viewers will talk to me about my body and use a lot of language to talk to me about my body, either saying that they really like BBWs without, you know, asking if I identify that way or not, or using terms like curvy or other sorts of uh words like that, to talk about how happy they are that I'm there and that other models are there. I, a lot of viewers are like really happy and express that to see women of diverse like sizes and pornography. And so I think that part of it can be really empowering. And to add to that, it seems like it would also be interesting from a marketing perspective or like a search engine perspective. There's so many people on all of these platforms. And as one of the highly sought search terms, as one of the top search terms, it's always in like the top three or the top five search terms on on Pornhub or on Minivids or on any of the platforms where viewers can go in and type in key terms to what it is that they want to see. So in that case, in order to have your stuff viewed, it makes a lot of sense to use the key terms that people search for, particularly because, and this I think is where this gets really complicated, is that the platforms themselves don't tend to feature the larger models. So on their front pages, who they're featuring and what you're seeing isn't larger models. So in order to get your stuff featured, it's important then to tag it with things that people who are searching, they're going to be able to find you. 
What's striking to me in this whole conversation is how in a lot of ways the porn industry or the camming industry is kind of ahead of its time in body acceptance and body positivity compared to mass media, magazines, the onslaught of stuff that women are faced with every day. How do you think some of these lessons could be applied across the board? Yeah, I think that that's absolutely true. And I think I think that the really interesting thing about pornography is that people's practices, particularly like viewers practices are done in private. <laughs> and so I think that you can get a reflection of what it is that people are really interested in but haven't yet figured out how to uh this is actually like so complicated because I think that a lot of people are frustrated by the fact that popular culture and mass media and the more mainstream media haven't caught up to to what we see in like the people who work within the industry see as what a lot of people are interested in. So, yeah, I absolutely think that the adult industry is ahead of what's going on in mass media. I think that the industry itself, the platforms themselves need to catch up to the fact that there is a huge market for plus size women and they need to promote that and put that more at the forefront because we do generate a lot of uh, a lot of traffic. And then I think that if we can take that step, then that can go out to other broader audiences as well. To read Jesse's full story, go to motherboard.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.